0: Open your Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. Last week we looked at how the Jews had by wicked hands crucified and slain the Lord Jesus Christ, but it was all by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God that this occurred. Because our God is absolutely sovereign in all, all things and over all things. He's, if, if he's not God, then he's not sovereign, but he is sovereign. And he is God, and he is over all, so much so that not a, not a speck of dust floats in the air that he doesn't know where it is. And as one person said, there's not a maverick molecule in this whole universe, is there? He is in full control, and by, all, by, by him all things consist, right? My, it's wonderful. I'll tell you what, that's our Savior, Brother Dave. That's our Savior. That's our Lord. He's the one who rules over everything. Reigns over everything. Hmm. My. And we do come to Him just as we are. We come to Him empty handed, don't we? Sinners. In a desperate need for a Savior. And by the mercy and grace of God, He saves us. And the reason we come to Him as just as we are as sinners with nothing but our sin, is because he makes us willing in the day of his power, beloved. By his sovereign mercy in hand, according to his sovereign will and purpose. It's wonderful. It's wonderful. So the death of Christ was an act of God. He was foreordained And predestinated to be our substitutionary sacrifice. And the only way that a sinner can be saved is by the satisfaction of God's justice and God's law. And I'll tell you what, there is not one person on this earth who can satisfy God's law and God's justice. Not one person. There's only one man who walked this earth, and he was God incarnate in the flesh. That absolutely satisfied God's law and absolutely satisfied God's justice, and his name is the Lord Jesus Christ, the only Savior of sinners, the only one. My. And how did he do it? Well, he's a sinless Son of God. He walked perfectly according to God's law and God's justice, he's absolutely sinless. And how could he redeem us? How, how did he come to redeem us? Well, the scripture tells us that Christ came to save his people from their sins. And he shall do what he came to do, won't he, Brother Dan? He will. And he did. See, salvation's accomplished. I preach a finished salvation. It's already accomplished. There's nothing for you and I to do. It's already accomplished. And it's being accomplished by the Lord Jesus Christ. It's being accomplished by the God-man, isn't it? And that's, that's what gives us our hope. Because we're sinners who can't save ourselves. We're sinners who can't satisfy God's law or justice. But we look to the one who's done it all for us. He's done it as our substitute. He's the Lamb of God. He's the great Passover lamb. He's God's Passover lamb. Sent by the Father. Remember when we saw delivered there in the Greek? When it says he was delivered according to the foreknowledge of God, that's surrendered in the Greek. I was talking to Brother Marcus this week. And we were talking about this. Not only did Christ surrender himself to God's will to come to this earth and to redeem us, but God the Father surrendered his son as well. He delivered Christ my in the Holy Spirit we know in the everlasting eternal covenant was in full agreement with the Father and the Son so he surrendered them up too in Christ to fulfill his covenant obligations that he agreed to in the everlasting covenant in eternity comes to this earth and bleeds and dies for the sins of his people my. And last week we looked at the, the person and the work of Christ and how he bled and died to redeem his people. And he was redeeming the people that were given to him by God from before the foundation of the world. We don't know who they are. We have no clue at all. So we preach the gospel to everyone, right? To all my oh my and God does the saving God does the saving listen to this look at verse 21 in chapter 2 and it shall come to pass that whosoever see we don't we don't shorten it whosoever whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved well we know as God's people that the whosoever is God's elect right but I don't know who they are So I preach the gospel to everyone, and the gospel goes out of here into the internet. We've seen it go into hundreds of countries. And we don't know what God's accomplishing with it, but we know his word won't return unto him void. And we just rejoice, don't we? We just rejoice. Do you know that Christ abolished death's power, its terror, and its fears for all who believe on him? Death has no sting now. In the resurrection of Christ, which is what we're going to look at today, was God's public declaration that his perfect law and his perfect justice had been satisfied fully for the, for the sins of, of those he gave to Christ. Let's read verses 22 to 35 of Acts chapter 2. Peter stands up and proclaims these words. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs so those miracles and wonders and signs proved that he was God in the flesh they proved that he was God in the flesh which God did by him in the midst of you as you yourselves also know him being delivered up that's Christ being surrendered remember in the Greek by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God you have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain Whom God hath raised up. Oh, he raised him from the grave. Having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. And now Peter's going to quote Psalm 16. He He says here, For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. For he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope. There's that little word, shall again shall rest in hope. Who's our hope? I ask you, who's our hope? Christ, amen, sister, Christ. That's right, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's our hope. Because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine Holy One to see corruption. You notice that's capitalized, the Holy One, that's Christ Jesus. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried in his sepulchre is with us unto this day. He's dead. He's buried. They could point out where his sepulchre was then. (coughs) Therefore, being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his loins, according to to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne, Christ there being the Messiah. He seen this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither shall his flesh see corruption. We're going to look at that portion in Psalm 16, and it's David's words, but he's speaking, he's prophesying about Christ Jesus our Lord. He seen before spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither, did his, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God, this is where he is now, exalted and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this which ye now shall hear. Do you know Christ is not waiting to reign? Do you know he's reigning right now? He's not waiting to reign in the future. He's king right now. Right now. He's king of kings and Lord of lords. And he's seated at the right hand of the Father. You know what he's doing? He's interceding for us. Oh, it makes our heart sing, doesn't it, Brother Tom? My, he's interceding for you and I, brother. My, it's wonderful. That's just so wonderful. He's so good to us. And look at this. For David's speaketh concerning my force, foresaw the Lord always before my face, for He is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to seek corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Verse 29, men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriot David, that he is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God had sworn an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to his flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus had God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God, exalted in heaven, received from the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost. Now it's come, remember, the Holy Ghost was sent down, and they were filled with power. He hath shed forth this, which ye shall now, which ye now sh- see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, "The Lord said unto my Lord, Jehovah said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand until I make thy foes thy footstools." My, oh my! What comfort and hope is here in these verses for us? Our God, our King, our Savior, our Lord. Our Redeemer is at the right hand of God right now, reigning and ruling. And we know from our study in John 17, remember our study in John 17, he has all power. He gives eternal life to to as many as the Father gave him. He's the disposer of eternal life. It's not in man's hands. It's in God's hands. It's in God's hands. We're but receivers of this mercy and grace. When we're made willing in the day of God's power, we're born again by the Holy Spirit of God and given faith to believe, we run to Christ. We flee to Christ. And think of this. Brother Brian, we can now, we can now approach the throne of grace through Christ Jesus our Lord. We can, we can come boldly before the throne of grace. We can, we can put our needs before Christ. And I, I'll tell you, you know how I always say, be, be specific, right? Bring every single little thing. Every, nothing is too small for the Lord. And nothing is too big for the Lord, is it? Nothing at all. He can do whatever he pleases. Whatever he pleases. And he, he can take care of anything. He's got all power. Now, he may say no. He may say, yes, and he may make us wait. And all those are answers to our prayers. But isn't it, com- isn't it comforting, sister, that we can take whatever cares we have in our heart, we can come to the Lord with them? It's wonderful. Nothing's too small and nothing's too big for him. People say, well, God, I don't want to bring such a small thing to God. Bring it to him. Bring it to him. He cares for us. He cares for us, beloved. So what a hope we have. Marvel at this wonderful work of the Lord Jesus Christ set before us in verses 22 to 24, too. As the Lord Jesus Christ is delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification, so happy is the born-again believer. Happy are we. We can be joyful, beloved. Right? Right? Well, we Baptists don't want to get too excited. Come on. <laughs> this is something to get excited about, isn't it? Oh my, this is wonderful, isn't it? This is wonderful. My, oh my. The Lord Jesus Christ was delivered for our offenses and was raised for our justification so that we can now be in the presence of God. This is incredible. This is the greatest news we're ever here in this world, and it's the most important news that we're ever here in this world. My, in the midst of the indwelling corruption which is in us, right? Remember, we looked at the uh, we looked today at the at the, the works of the flesh in, in Sunday school, the the works of the flesh, and we said, "Oh man, we're saved," and those are all in us still. Yeah, they are, the inward corruption that's still in us. But as Sister Kathy said, "Praise be to God." The blood, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. All sin, beloved. All sin. And we say hallelujah, don't we? Praise be to God for his mercy and his grace. So amidst the inward corruptions and, and in the ungodly world outside, and in the demands of the God's law and and, and the demands of God's justice. And all the accusations of Satan. Right? And all the temptations that we go through. We, as the born-again, blood-washed believers, can rejoice in the freedom that we have in Christ. What do we have? A full pardon. (laughs) All our sins, now here, here we go. Past, present and future are forgiven. Someone said, how can you say all your future sins are forgiven? Oh, my. My, oh, my. Brother Neil, all our sins were were future 2,000 years ago, weren't they, when Christ died on the cross? Every single one of them, right? And if He paid for our sins, if He paid for all of them, That means they're all covered under the blood, isn't it? Yeah, that's right. doesn't give us a license to go crazy, though, does it? Well, we're not antinomians, but I'll tell you what. I'm fully pardoned, are you? (laughs) Rejoice, beloved. Rejoice, beloved. It's wonderful, isn't it? Oh, my. That's good news, isn't it, Brother That's good news for sinners like us. It's wonderful news. My. And how was this pardon secured? By the blood and righteousness of Christ Jesus our Lord. That's how. And that's the only way. That's the only way. By the blood and righteousness of of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're mere receivers of this mercy and grace in Christ. Oh, I'll tell you. It just gets better and better. Just gets better and better. And, and when Christ was raised from the grave, it shows us that God was satisfied with a great sacrifice of Christ. So much so that it says he was raised for our justification. In Isaiah, at the end of Isaiah 53, it says he shall see the travail of his soul, that being God will see the travail of Christ's soul and shall be satisfied. Satisfied for what? Satisfied for the work he did which is redeeming us from all our sins. It's absolutely amazing. Now that's the security of everlasting salvation. In Psalm 84 verse 9, it says, Behold, O God, our shield, and look upon the face of thine anointed. That's speaking of Christ. Where does God see us as redeemed, blood-washed believers? He sees us in Christ, doesn't he? He sees us in Christ. In Acts chapter 2, we see that Peter by... And remember, these words are by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. Peter's not just popping words off. These are words that have have been inspired by the Holy Spirit of God and recorded for our learning. In Acts chapter 2, verse 26... Peter proclaims the words of David which says, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. So the Lord Jesus Christ is, is set before men and women and people of all ages through the preaching of the gospel. Today I'm setting forth Christ before you. And I will tell you to look to Christ. To look and live. Because that's the only way that a sinner can be saved is by looking to Christ. There's no other way. It's not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but it's according to God's mercy and grace in and through Christ Jesus our Lord. There's no other way to be saved. He, Christ himself said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. So there's no other way. There's no other avenue. And we see here, when, when, David, or when David proclaimed these words, he was actually speaking of Christ. And he says, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. So, we're told to look to Christ in the preaching of the gospel as the only object of hope and faith and to trust in him and depend upon him for life and salvation. And we see here that Jehovah is the object of Christ. The whole reason that he was here Was to save his people from their sins. And in doing so he's glorifying God the father. And while he's on this earth. His mind and his eyes are set upon Christ. Or set upon the father. Set upon the father. He's here to do the will of the father isn't he? He's not here to do his own will. He's here to please the father. Christ Jesus our Lord always had an eye to God's glory. In everything he did. He had an eye to God's glory is the ultimate end of all his actions, his will, his purpose, and his commands. And he came to fulfill the covenant obligations of the everlasting covenant, which was to save his people from their sins by the shedding of his blood and by the giving of his life and by being raised from the dead. I ask you, is there any way we could have been saved other than Christ dying for us? No. There's no other way. I can't save myself. I can't save you. Who's the first people, if we had the power to save, who's the first people that we would save? Our children. We can't do that though. We can't save ourselves. We can't save our children. We can't even help anyone. God must save. And God sends his son, surrenders his son. And Christ surrenders his life willingly. Right? Didn't he give his life? Right? It says he gave up the ghost, he willingly surrendered his life, and he cried, It is finished. The work's complete, it's done. It's absolutely finished. All that a sinner needs is found in Christ. And our Lord Jesus Christ always had an eye to the glory of God in everything he did. And he followed God's will and purpose in his counsel. Oh, my. Turn, if you would, to Psalm chapter 16. Psalm chapter 16. And we see here David's words, which again are speaking of the Lord Jesus Christ, where he says here, I have set the Lord always before me. So Christ always had the Father before him. Just as we walk in Christ and have Christ before us. Before I get in this pulpit, I always pray, Lord Jesus, go before me. Don't let me go anywhere where you don't go before me. We should pray that all the time in our lives, right? In decisions. Don't, don't let me go. Don't let me go forth on my own, Lord, Please. I know, I'll make a mess of everything. But if you go before me, Lord, all shall be well. All shall be well. Look at this in Psalm 16. We're starting verse 8. He says, I have set the Lord always before me. This is David's words, but he's speaking of Christ. I have set Jehovah, in the Hebrew, always before me, because he is at my right hand I shall not be moved. Look at that. So his focus, Christ's focus, was the Father. Was the Father. My, oh my. And then look at these words. I, and there it is again, Dave, I shall not be moved. Now we pray, Lord, keep me or I'll be moved. Right? (laughs) But this is Christ are Christ, I shall not be moved." You remember in Isaiah what, what, and tie these words in with Isaiah where it says, "He shall not fail. He came to save his people from their sins. He shall not fail. He, he, he won't be moved. Scripture says he set his face like a flint to Jerusalem because he knew he must give his life for we sinners. He must. Christ came to save His people from their sins. He shall not be moved. He shall not be moved. He will not be moved from that duty, and he will not be moved. He will not be moved for the execution of it either. He shall not be moved. He shall not be moved from the worship of God. He won't be moved. He won't be moved from the service of God. He won't be moved by all the temptations of Satan or any threats or dangers from man. Christ shall not be moved. <clears throat> he shall not be moved by all the terrors of death remember I've said in the past he came here to die we, we, we're born in this world to live he, came, he was born in this world to die he knew exactly what he was doing he's, he's the word of God from eternity becoming a man he's the God-man, God man God incarnate in the flesh he shall not be moved my, he shall not be moved from the worship of God. No, nope. he not be moved by all the terrors of death, or even by the flaming sword of God's wrath and justice that was unsheathed and plunged into him for us. He not be moved. He not be moved. Through all those things that occurred in his life, he stood unshaken and unmoved. Remember, last week I mentioned. Those those weeping ladies of Jerusalem, and he looked at them. He's carrying the cross, and he looked at them. He's all whipped and beaten. He looks at them and says, weep not for me. Don't weep for me. Weep for yourselves. Weep for your children. And as he's saying there, I'm a conquering king. I'm going to accomplish that which I was sent to do. Don't weep for me. People say, oh, poor poor little Jesus. He's born to die. That's what he came here to do. That's why he came, beloved. To save his people from their sins. What a great God we have. What a great God we have. And he looked to the Father in all circumstances. All circumstances. To assist him and encourage him. Through all the trials in this world look at psalm 169 or psalm 16 verse 9 therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices my flesh also shall rest in hope the lord jesus Christ's heart was always glad because he had the father in his view now he's a man of souls and acquainted with grief but he he he's he's got the joy of the cross set before him do you know the scripture says it was the joy of the cross he joyfully went to the cross. You know why? He's going to redeem his bride. He's, he's going to accomplish that what he was sent to do. My. My, oh my, what a Savior. And think of this what, this. what this scripture brings out is the fact that he rested and rejoiced in the Father always. See, we can't do that, right? He's loving the Lord God, uh, God with all his heart, mind, and soul, which we can't do. But the law commands that, doesn't it? He's doing it for us, brother. My. What a Savior. What a Redeemer is Jesus Christ our Lord. Is there anyone like him? There's <laughs> no one like him, is there? There's no one like him. My. And God the Father raised our King from the dead. And, and he rejoiced. The Lord Jesus Christ rejoiced in God's providence. He rejoiced in God's wisdom. You know, it's according to the wisdom of God that we're saved. God purposed and planned this, didn't he? All according to his wisdom and his divine providence. And for the believer in Christ, our faith gives us a living joy. Now we have a living joy. Remember, as I said in Sunday school, the, the, the fruit of the Spirit is all things that naturally people have love and joy but this for the spirit is an unnatural love it's a love for God it's a love for the brethren it's a love for the gospel it's a love for Christ it's not a natural love it's a foreign love and so is the joy and the peace those are all different joys than we've experienced in life before because they're all centered in Christ they're all centered in him my own oh my And look at this. He says, my flesh also shall rest in hope. I pray by the grace of God we can say that. We can say that. And then verse 10, it says, For thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Our great God and King, the Lord Jesus Christ, died and was buried, but death could not hold him. It could not hold him. Couldn't hold him, beloved. And he was raised from the dead on the third day, according to the scriptures, before the time the body begins to corrupt. And God the Father raised Christ from the dead as he would not suffer his body to be corrupted because he's the Holy One. He's the Holy One, beloved. Remember them demons and them Gad- that Gadarene demonic? We said, they said, we know who thou art, thou Holy One of God. We know who you are. Oh, my. And they said, You come to cast us into the deep before the time? That's paraphrased. But they said, you, you come to cast us into the deep? That's the abyss in the Greek. Before the time? They were terrified. There's a king of kings and lord of lords in the flesh, the holy one of God. And they identified him. And they feared and trembled. Oh, my. And God the Father raised Christ from the dead. Again, he'd not suffer his body to be corrupted. He's holy. He's sinless. And he was God's holy one. Think of this. There's no moral corruption in him. And there's no natural corruption in him as he's the seed of the woman. Right? He's bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh. But Adam is not his dad. He's conceived of the Holy Spirit of God. And then look at verse 11. And think of this, too. That couldn't be said of any other man or woman. And that couldn't be said of David, even, could it? David's dead in his grave, corrupting. So this is speaking of Christ. Verse 11. Thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Look at that. That will show me the path of life. This is not the way of life and salvation for lost sinners, because that's only in Christ Jesus our Lord. This is speaking of Christ's resurrection from the dead. His resurrection from the dead, which is a passing from death to life. And now we see he's at the right hand of the Father. He's at the right hand of the Father. He's our mediator. He's entered heaven. He sat down. The work's done. And he's reigning right now. He's not waiting to reign in the future. He's raining right now. I, I heard some fella yesterday. Oh my gosh. I took a little break in between doing some, some sermon work and this fella on Sermon Audio, I just was glancing along and it said, he said uh, the, the whole thing that happened with Israel yesterday. And he said, Well, if this is God's will, then uh, this is open to a whole can of worms. I got news for him. <laughs> Whatever the headlines are, that's God's will. Right? That's what he allowed to happen that day. Now, he's not the cause of it, right? He's not the cause of evil. No, that's us. We, all he got to do is leave us alone. We we'll kill each other, we we'll murder each other, we we'll do the worst things to each other. But to say that, thinking, this fellow doesn't even know the Lord. How can you make a statement like that? God is sovereign. He rules over all. My, oh, my. And look at this, too. Look at this in verse 11 there. The Lord is infinitely delighted with being in the presence of God. He, he's delighted in being in heaven. He's delighted in being in the company of angels. He's delighted in being in the company of the Father. And the Father sees the travail of his soul his, and his seed, sinners called by grace. And this is another thing, too. Christ sees us, the redeemed, and he's delighted. You think of Let that that soak in your heart today in in this week. God is delighted with those he's redeemed. He's delighted with them. (laughs) I know what I am and I know what I was. and and I just marvel at the fact that, that he delights in this old sinner here. I'm just a sinner saved by grace and he delights in me? So, for you too, if you're one of his people. That's amazing, isn't it? That's grace. That's mercy. That's mercy. And you know, he's delighted with all our dear brethren who've gone before us. I was thinking about Brother Newell, Hmm. Sister Kathy, Sister Callie Joe, Brother Calvin. Brother Richard, Sister Irene, Sister Denise, Sister Louise, Sister Marge, Brother Wayne Carrick, my oh my, Brother Jim. These are people who passed since I've been here too. Brother Joel, my oh my, Sister Sylvia, I heard about her. I I never got to meet her. I'm going to meet her one day. But I heard of how she was such a testimony going through cancer. To the glory of God. And you guys know, I've only been here eight years. You guys know many other brothers and sisters who have gone home to glory right now. And you know what they're doing now? They're delighting in the Savior. (laughs) And we will too soon. Because our life is just like a vapor because Christ was resurrected, we're going to be resurrected. Isn't that wonderful? My, oh my. My, oh my. One day, we're gonna, we who are the redeemed of the Lord will see him face to face. Let's go back to the book of Acts now and we'll see the apostle Peter brings forth that David's words were the prophecy of Christ's death, resurrection, and exaltation. And God our Father by his life-given power, loosed his darling son from the pains of death. And Jesus Christ, who is the power of God, raised himself from the grave, and he tells us in his word that he has the power to lay down his life, and he had the power to raise it up again, didn't he? And by the sovereign power of God, the Holy Spirit, Lord Jesus Christ was loosed from the pains of death. All three divine persons of the Majestic Trinity were involved in the glorious resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. By the supreme sacrifice of himself, Jesus Christ sanctified and perfected forever all who were represented by him. And by his perfect obedience to the will of God the Father, Jesus Christ obtained eternal salvation for us. He obtained it for us. We have it. We have it as believers. Let's go back here and look at verse 25. It says, For David speaketh concerning himself, I foresaw the Lord before, always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. So he's taking what we just read in Psalm 16, he's applying it now to Christ's words. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because that will not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Now, the Jews, when they read Psalm 16, <clears throat> they looked at it as the words of David. But we see here that Peter, and by our reading already in Psalm 16, that Peter is equating those words to Christ. So it's actually the Holy Spirit, because he's preserved these words, equating these words. To Jesus Christ, our Lord. Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit of God, and he draws the attention of his hearers to all of God and God, all, and actually all of us too. He's preaching to us right now, isn't he? Through his word, through the word, to every Satan, every generation, that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, and that these words apply to Christ and Christ alone. David was prophesying of the coming of the Messiah who would be made of his seed, and he was, he was from the lineage of David, the promised Messiah, that he would suffer, that he would die, and that he would be raised again. The the grave could not hold him. And he also said he won't see corruption. But he would raise the crucified Christ from the grave. God would do that and sit him on his sovereign throne with great joy. It's wonderful. And where's our Savior right now? Is he is he is he is he affected by all the troubles in this world? Do they interrupt his plans? Nope, not one. That's why I always say, don't get caught too much up in the news and all that. I've noticed something. I've noticed something in my fifty nine years here, and this earth that the news. It's full of fear. They make money on fear. That's, they report the news, but they sure sensationalize it, don't they? And they did the same in Canada when I was up there, and they do the same here, beloved. It, they, they run on that. But what does the scripture say? God has not given us what? The spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And then Paul writes in in Colossians chapter 3, he says, set your mind on things above. That's Christ. And that, that mind there is your heart and your affections. Set them on Christ. Set them upon him. Oh, my. And Jesus Christ, our Lord, was a man sustained, strengthened in his work by the assurance of the Father's presence. And he is on my right hand. And I shall not be moved. Isaiah 50 verses 5 to 7. Our Savior faced his greatest trial. With joyful confidence. With joyful confidence. That he would by his obedience. Unto death. Both obtain the place of highest glory. To save his people. And that he would save his people from their sins. By his perfect complete sin work. And he did it. He did it. He accomplished it see I preach a finished work and I tell sinners like myself to look to Christ he's the only hope for sinners there's no hope outside of Christ there's absolutely none There's none there's just eternal death now Psalm 16 Spoke, we, we see, spoke of, of Christ, not of David. Let's look at Acts chapter 2, verses 29 to 32 now. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and, and his sepulchre is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, and knowing that God has sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all we, we all are witnesses. So Peter gives proof positive that David could not have been speaking of himself, because he's in his grave. His body did see corruption, right? So he's not speaking of himself. He's prophesying about Christ. So Psalm 16 there, in that portion we read, can only be speaking of Christ, who was raised from the dead in the third day, according to the power of God and the will of God. In verse 30, in verse 30 there, we see, therefore being a prophet and knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him, that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. My, oh, my. God has sworn an oath with David that the Messiah would come from his lineage. Romans chapter 1, if you want, yeah, let's turn there. Romans chapter 1, let's turn there. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, and we'll read verses uh, 1 to 4. <clears throat> Excuse me. Paul, preaching, speaking of the preaching of the gospel, worded it this way here. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, which he had promised before by his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, Christ Jesus our Lord which was made what of the seed of David according to the flesh see there it is and declared look, look what he's he's declared to be the son of God he is the son of God but he's also declared to be the son of God with power he is all power beloved the father has given all power into his hands all power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead Let's read verse 5, too. By whom we have received grace and apostleship for obedience to the faith among all nations for his name. And verse 6, among whom are ye also the called of, of Jesus Christ. So the same power that raised Christ from the dead is the same power that raised us. From our natural state being dead in trespasses and sins. And that's how we were born. We're born into this world dead in trespasses and sins. We cannot please God by anything we do. Right? Can't save ourselves. Can't please God in our natural state. We're dead. Dead spiritually. Alive physically, but dead spiritually. And then when we're born again, now we have a new nature within us. Right? We're new creatures in Christ. And now the battle begins, doesn't it? Like we looked at in the Galatians study a couple weeks ago about the war between the flesh and the spirit that's within every single one of us now. (laughs) You have trouble with sin before the Lord saved us? Nope, didn't have trouble at all, did we? Didn't even bother us, did it? Now it bugs us, doesn't it? Oh my, now we hate it now. Oh my, see? Now we love the things that we once hated, which is God and we hate the things that we once loved, which is sin, and many other things too, of course. My. Ever since Christ's resurrection from the grave, the Lord Jesus Christ, the God-man, his, he's king of kings and Lord of lords. He, you know, he was king before he came to this world. He was born king, he's king currently, and he'll be king forever. It never changed, his kingship has never changed. He's the word of God incarnate, the second person of the Trinity. And he's not waiting for a day when he'll sit upon the throne. He's on it right now. He rules and reigns in majesty over this earth. And the fulfilling of David's prophecy from Psalm 16 occurred when our Lord Jesus Christ was resurrected from the grave. And Peter, speaking for all of God's saints, he says, The Lord just this Lord Jesus Christ hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. Now they were witnesses of it, but we are also witnesses of it in the sense that we proclaim it. And it's, it's, a, it's part of, it's the bedrock of what we believe, isn't it? Without the resurrection of Christ, there's no justification before God. The, the, the resurrection of Christ is absolutely vital to what we believe. Right? I think it was Paul that said, if, if, if Christ's not raised, then our, what we believe is in vain then. But our Lord lives. He's a living God. He's a living Savior. He's raised from the dead by God's power. And we've embraced that truth, haven't we, as born-again blood-washed believers? Oh, my. All those in every generation who are taught by by God the Holy Spirit believe this glorious and God-honoring truth of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we've embraced those truths by by the gift of faith. We believe that Jesus Christ is our righteousness, don't we? That's what we believe. We believe that Jesus Christ is the only righteousness that God will accept. We believe that the Lord Jesus Christ walked on this earth in perfect obedience to his Father's will. And that, at that time, we were in him. We were in Christ. I was listening to a preacher from down south a couple of weeks ago. Blew my mind. I knew this, but it's just the way he phrased it. He said, he said, do you know? Do you know that we were in Christ from before the foundation of the world? Because we were chosen in Christ from before the foundation of the world? Even though we were born in Adam? There's a fizz job, Dave. Just makes your mind fizz. But it's truth, beloved. My, oh, my. But we were in Christ when he walked in obedience. He's our substitute, isn't he? Just like we were in Adam when we, when we fell. We were in Christ. He's the federal head. Christ is our, our he's the second Adam. He's the second Adam, beloved. My, oh, my. When Christ obeyed the Father, we we obeyed the Father in Christ. And God the Father saw us in his Son. All those he gave to Christ were in him as he obeyed God's law perfectly. Remember, Paul says, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. It's amazing. It's amazing. We believe by God-given faith that we were in Christ when he suffered the unmitigated wrath of God for us. It fell upon him. We believe that all our iniquities and sins were laid upon Christ Jesus our Savior. And God poured out his wrath against our sins in Christ. So much so, so much so, beloved, that God says your sins and iniquities... I don't even remember him. We remember him, brother Dave. We remember our our crazy days. The Lord saved us late in life. My oh my. When I see the blood, I'll pass over you. You're a believer? When I see the blood, God says, I'll pass over you. Oh, my. <laughs> That's what we say. Hallelujah. Praise be to our great God. He's wonderful, isn't he? Isn't he wonderful? Oh, my. So God must punish our sins so he does it in Christ Jesus our Lord. Oh, my. And he can't demand payment twice, can he? No, he demanded he demanded the price for our sins at our his hand, didn't he? Remember, Moses struck that rock twice, and he wasn't allowed to go in the promised land. You know why? Because that rock represented Christ, and it's only been smote once for the sins of God's people. So, so God won't smite us for our sins. He already did it in Christ. What a Savior! What a Redeemer is Jesus Christ, our Lord. So rejoice, beloved of God, our Lord Jesus Christ hath borne all the wrath of God that was against us. And you know what the scripture says? He extinguished it. And he extinguished it. I remember hearing an old English preacher saying, he, God, God the Father extinguished the wrath of God against us so much so that it's like a fire that's finished and there ain't even a wisp of smoke rising up. Pardon when I see the blood. Remember? The death angel passed by, won't he? When I see the blood. Are you under the blood of Christ? Praise be to his mighty name. My, oh my, it's wonderful. And let us consider lastly one truth. When the Lord Jesus Christ was buried, All of God's elect, along with all our sins, were buried with him. They're buried. All our sins were buried with Christ. Past, present, and future. Now, all my sins, and I know everyone in this room, all of our sins were future. When Christ died. And they were buried with him. Now, I still committed them, didn't I, to my shame. But I heard one day, I heard a preacher speaking about the Lord Jesus Christ who'd done this great work. And by the power of God, the Holy Spirit, I was born again and made willing in the day of His power to look to Christ. And now I stand before you, a man fully forgiven, all because of the mercy and grace of God. And I see you smiling, Brother Brian, because it's true. It's for all—all of us who believe, isn't it? All of us. I love that. I love it when you smile. I love it because it's so true. Does it not fill us with joy to know that all our sins are gone? And God's Word clearly states that all the sins of His chosen people have been removed from His sight forever. we remember them, but God don't remember them. So if God don't remember should we remember them? Nope. <laughs> but oh, the flesh, the flesh, the flesh, right? Oh, my. He remembers them no more. I, I am so thankful that God doesn't remember my sins. I am so thankful. So rejoice. Let us leave here rejoicing, um, beloved of God, that all our sins were buried with Christ. And they were so buried that it's like they're in the sea of God's forgetfulness. I know God don't forget nothing. But he's forgotten our sins, hasn't he? Because they've been bought and paid for. They're washed away. He says, I don't remember them. This is God who remembers everything. And he says of our sins, I don't remember the sins of my beloved ones in Christ may we leave here this week rejoicing in this wondrous salvation that we have in and through the Lord Jesus Christ and rejoice God forgives us for Christ's sake that's the whole reason we're forgiven is for Christ's sake and we say amen and amen right my what a savior Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, we come before thee so thankful that you so thankful that you saved your people from their sins. So thankful for your grace and mercy. We were we were so dead in trespasses and sins, loving our sin, rejoicing in our sin, but you, you turned us, O oh Lord, born again by thee, Holy Spirit. And we thank thee Thank you, Lord Jesus, for sending your Holy Spirit to regenerate us, to give us faith to believe, and to teach us and guide us in all truth and all things about you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father, for your wondrous plan of salvation. Thank you for choosing the people. Otherwise, there'd no one be saved. We thank thee that you chose the people, and we thank thee, we who are your people, thank thee that we're in that number. Pray that as this message goes forth, oh, that you'd use it for your glory, your honor and your praise, Lord, that you would awake your sleeping lo- lack, Lord, who, who do not know Thee. Oh, that you'd gather your people under the preaching of your word. We know your word will not return unto you void, and so we just pray as it goes out and forth in the internet that you would, you would bless the, the message, Lord, Lord, for your glory and honor and praise. And we seek to glorify you we seek to magnify you in our lives thank you for your great love for us and thank you for loving us and the only reason we love you is because you loved us first lord in jesus name we pray amen